0: Welcome back to Venture Pill. We've got some pretty cool companies to cover today,
1: including our very first ever acquisition story. Mm, mm. Splendid. Splendid. Let's dive in. Let's dive right in. First on the docket is Melibio, which just raised a $5.7 million seed round led by Astonor Ventures with participation from Alumni Ventures to make honey without bees. Mm. Can you believe it? I can buzz buzz it. <laughs> nice. Next. We'll dive back into EdTech to discuss Subject, which just announced a $29 million Series A led by Owl Ventures with additional investments from Kleiner Perkins, SoftBank, and others to provide high-quality online courses to high schools that are suffering from teacher shortages.
0: Yeah, can't wait to talk about that. And after that, we will talk about Chief, which is coming off a massive $100 million Series B which was led by capital G and they're going to propel women into positions of power in the business world through their growing network.
1: Total girl bosses.
0: Total girl bosses, girl power, loved that one. And finally, we'll scoot on into Tier Mobility's acquisition of Phantasmo, which declutters city
1: streets, improves traffic and safety behavior, all through their special camera technology. Fascinating stuff. This week's Dose highlights companies making a big impact within some of our favorite trends, and I personally am amped to get into it. Let's go. Let's dive right in. You see here, kid, you gotta just go for it. Don't think about what
0: comes after or
1: what came before. You just gotta bend your knees, take a deep breath, and jump. This is Venture Pill with your hosts, Sam and Brandon. We're here to prescribe you your weekly dose of venture capital and startup news to keep you informed in the evolving world of venture. All right, well, first story of the day has Sam and I absolutely buzzing.
0: Buzz, buzz.
1: <laughs> We're going to cover Melly Bio which just raised a $5.7 million seed round, focusing on making honey without bees. So this company was founded in 2020 by Darko Mandich and Aaron Schaller, with the goal of making the global honey market, which is a $10 billion industry, more sustainable. This round was led by Astonor Ventures and joined by investors like Skyview Capital, alumni ventures, and several others. So, the classic method of honey production has been going strong for about 9,000 years now. So you got your classic beehive with a queen bee, honeycombs. Worker
0: bees. All that, honey
1: nut Cheerios. (laughs) (laughs) And, however, due to climate change and other recent, relatively recent environmental factors, uh, honey production, at least in its current form, is actually damaging to bees and their ecosystems, and we're kind of learning more and more about this as we see bee population die out across the world. Yeah. Especially the twenty thousand wild and native bee species that are experiencing immense pressure from commercial beekeeping and unsustainable practices like that.
0: Yeah. Based on our research on their website, you know, I was reading about how the decreasing diversity of bee species is actually a really key factor to how our food is produced in the world. I think 80% of our food production relies on bees.
1: Which is absolutely absurd.
0: Yeah, so we've all heard Save the Bees. You know, we've, we've seen movies like the Bee Movie, a lot of educational efforts, but I feel like still it is an ever-pressing issue So Melibio is looking to use science as a way to reduce pressure on these bee colonies and species. So they're harnessing microbiology, plant-based food science, similar to what we see with these uh, plant-based meats. Impossible meat. Yeah, uh, beyond meat. And they're creating clean, sustainable honey that is very similar, if not the same, in nutrient composition and richness as traditional honey. Another element to this is that America specifically imports a lot of its honey from all over the world, which adds an additional layer of complexity due to inconsistent quality and supply chain issues associated with getting the honey from production into the stores and and into your cabinet. So by making it with Melibio instead, this is going to take out a lot of that complexity, make it a much more sustainable and repeatable process process, so that we can still get the honey we love, but without harming the environment.
1: Right, and I imagine the consistency of the honey is, you know, basically every batch is identical. Melibio already is showing some traction in that it's already collaborating with 30 companies that have signed letters of intent to do validation studies And yeah, so there are a couple other competitors. One that I wanted to highlight was this Israeli company called BIO, which is similarly working on its own bee-free honey. So this new funding for Melibio will be used in attacking the market and scaling up its R&D as well as its fermentation process as the company looks to launch in, in April or in due time.
0: Yeah, so it'll be really exciting to see how they can operationalize this and and ramp up production, and I'm interested to taste it. it. If it tastes and feels the same, looks the same, then that'll be great for them, and they've got a big opportunity there.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a ten billion dollar industry, so certainly you know a large enough pie to live off the crumbs. <laughs> Put a little honey on the crumbs. Drizzle and some honey on the crumbs. Got some honey pie. <laughs> Melibio has actually already been tested in four restaurants in New York with a successful outcome. I tr- I trust the New Yorkers to. They know honey. Say
0: yeah to say if this this honey ain't it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's so dead ass yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we wanted to highlight Subject, which just raised a $29 million Series A led by Owl Ventures, Kleiner Perkins, SoftBank, and others.
0: Shout out Owl Ventures, lead investor of Interplay's last round. They're a leading EdTech investor, so love to see them uh, yeah. pop up in the news again.
1: Totally, and definitely some, some big names leading and joining on that round. Um, And I think the best way to explain subject is to first start with the problem that it addresses, which is that America is currently facing an ongoing pandemic-fueled teacher shortage, which is especially hitting lower-income areas and lower-income schooling. And as a result, some of these schools are starting to stop offering classes that they deem non-essential, so classes like art music and even AP level courses which yeah. is pretty heartbreaking and you know terrible to really hear about. Yeah. And yeah, kind of along those lines, a quote from Michael Villardo, the the co-founder of Subject is, quote, "Your zip code and your parents' socioeconomic status really dictate your high school experience right now." And that largely dictates your life trajectory.
0: Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well you know, the access to education is pretty lopsided and like Michael said, really tied to the area in which you are born and the school that you have access to. And now as education tech is really rising, we talked about this last episode, access to education is becoming a lot more widespread. And I really like how Subject addresses this issue by giving high quality courses to schools who are losing teachers and this is something that could really spiral downwards and increase the gap between high-level education and high-income areas, and the education that's available to low-income areas. So I love their mission here. They're offering more than 50 accredited video courses across a range of disciplines, uh, like, like the ones that you mentioned, and it goes for an annual or monthly subscription fee. So right now, they partner with over 70 schools uh, and school districts, whether that be charter, private schools, or public. And they're expanding their course catalogs and everything like the classics, calculus and biology, <laughs> which, Classic. I, which I wish I could go back to that. Uh, and electives like computer science, that's a great one. I wish you know I would have been introduced to something like computer
1: science Me too. in high school. Yeah, those are some awesome electives to have available to you. And yeah, like you mentioned, I think With teacher shortages, one, I think teachers are so crucial to a a student, whether that's middle school to high school to college to beyond college, really. But on top of losing teachers, you're also losing access to so many courses that could introduce you and develop a passion for so many, whether it's an elective like acting or it's computer science or it's calculus, AP calculus or something like that. I love how Subject is bridging that gap.
0: No, these are the crucial years of inspiring children and, and young adults to learn. And if they're missing out on certain opportunities, that's a cascading effect. These are seeds that we need to plant in our children to get them interested in learning, to introduce them to many different things so that they can find what they're passionate in. And it shouldn't be tied to where they were born and their income level. And to provide something at a, low, a relatively low cost, actually, uh, access to these great courses is truly an amazing mission and, and product to offer. Uh, their classes are led by roughly 150 instructors, uh, including some pretty famous, notable people like Robin Hood's chief compliance officer for their uh, class on N- NFTs as well as an NFL linebacker Brandon Copeland who teaches a class on financial literacy. These are cool courses led by notable people. It reminds me of masterclass, mm-hmm. which is more meant for I would say adults with money to spend on learning cool stuff. But, you know, now this is something targeted at high school students for the reason of this teacher shortage and filling in those gaps so that, you know, everybody comes in with a similar opportunity to learn cool stuff. And Excel in their education.
1: Right. and tying this back to a startup we covered a couple episodes ago, um, I think this is a great way to circumvent expensive textbooks that a lot of students have to deal with or get discouraged from taking certain classes because they don't want to pay for these textbooks. They have the opportunity to subscribe to subject and get so much more than a textbook like live teaching and learning modules out, out above and beyond what you could get from a traditional textbook, which I think is just another way we're seeing traditional education be disrupted by platforms like this.
0: Yeah. And this also reminds me a little bit of what Interplay does, which not to get too deep into the weeds about it, but essentially we're providing an online training platform for folks that didn't you know, traditionally have access to that kind of technology and learning. And, although it's quite different in terms of skilled trades versus high school students, uh, it's similar in the fact that, you know, subject is providing something that maybe a teacher who isn't necessarily an expert in that subject can still lead the course and rely more heavily on the subject matter experts that subject employs in their videos, and their coursework, uh, it really expands the offering that these schools are able to provide their students, which is
1: awesome. I think that's subjectively awesome. <laughs> and uh, just one final trend to kind of highlight the rise of EdTech, which we've been covering the past few episodes, and Sam has mentioned Interplay a couple times. So investments in tech in 2019 were 4.8 billion, which is already a sizable market. But in 2020, that jumped to $12.6 billion, um, which, you know, is almost a 3x increase just year over year, which is pretty remarkable. And I'm curious to see how 2021 EdTech investments shaped up.
0: Yeah, I imagine it definitely increased. Uh, the trend is, is worth the investment, we should say. Like, mm-hmm. It's about time. Um, and the rise of technology has created a lot of new opportunities for people The missions behind these companies a lot of which owl uh, ventures is investing in it's a really it's a really great way to put capital to work and this is one of my favorite industries because you know you generally see venture capitalists as just trying to make money but when they can put money to work to invest in impact we talked about impact Mm -hmm. last episode too i think edtech is right in the center of it where there's money to be made but there's also a lot of impact to be made for generations to come, it's exciting.
1: Yeah, I think that's the sweet spot for both of us in terms of what we love most about venture capital and what excites us in terms of startups and just general innovation is in areas where you see these companies making tangible impacts on people's lives, Yeah, not just their wallets.
0: Not just their wallets. And I think that's a good segue to talk about our next company, which is Chief. Chief raised a giant round, $100 million Series B which was led by Google's Capital G, their independent investment arm. They have participation from prior investors as well, like General Catalyst. And leading the round and joining the board of this company is Layla Sturdy, uh, who is GP at Capital G. Now, what does CHIEF do? Why does this tie into impact and this trend that we're continuing to talk about? Well, CHIEF is a network made up of 12,000 women who are business leaders that's built to propel more women into positions of power at companies and keep them there. So to tie it in, you know, women have historically been underpaid, underrepresented in positions of power, and to invest in a platform that propels more women into those positions, provides them with resources, connects them to each other, is another really great mission that has a lot of business opportunity as well, but is an awesome way to put that capital to work and see more women
1: succeed in C-level or VP-level roles. Agreed, and I think, especially in venture capital, I feel like the barrier for women has taken longer than most other industries to break down. We're starting to see it with the Serena Williams-led venture capital firm that we covered a couple months ago. Um, But still, there's so much ground to be made up. So Chiefs Network provides women with personalized connections and insights and helps the members partner with more businesses. It also offers curated peer groups led by experienced executive coaches and also includes access to exclusive talks from top women business leaders. And this all goes for a subscription ranging from 5,800 for VP level to just under 8,000 for C-suite executives. So pretty pricey.
0: Yeah, I would say I was surprised to see how expensive that is. But the numbers speak the, for themselves. They have 12,000 women on the platform. So mul- do some multiplication in your head there for me, Brandon. Uh, that's a lot of money. And <laughs> Carry the one. Yeah. The <laughs> but it's also impressive, the list of companies that these women work for, and how many companies they are representing on the platform. It's over 8,500 companies from the world's you know, top organizations, just to name a few, Nike, NASA, Goldman Sachs, and Netflix, many, many more. Those are just some that caught my eye. And they actually have over 40,000 women on the waiting list. A stat that I came across is that there are 5 million women in positions that are VP or above in the U.S. So that 40,000 number is just a mere 0.01
1: percent it's, of that
0: population.
1: It's the tip of the iceberg.
0: Tip of the iceberg. So this 100 million, I was surprised to see that much for a Series B. But with the impressive investors behind it, with the traction they have already and the opportunity ahead of them, it it adds up in my mind.
1: Such a huge addressable market. And as we mentioned, only increasing as women get more involved in C-suite level jobs at top companies. But... Taking it back to the price, while 6000 and 8000 just about is expensive, I think when you look at it in terms of investing in yourself and investing in incredible networking and socializing opportunities like this, and we see people do this, whether it's a country club, whether it's Soho House, or even if it's investing that much money in your fitness, and your body, like the Future app or something like that, I think that this is one of those self-investments that could totally pay off in the long run, and if you look in a long-term view of the powerful connections that you could make by being a part of Chief, it is a no- it is totally worth it.
0: Yeah, I mean they are truly harnessing girl power. Uh, it's it is a hefty fee, but I think, I mean, just look at the waitlist. Like women are seeing the value in this. Mm-hmm. They're seeing all of the successful women that they can meet, learn from, learn best practices, work together strength in numbers truly if they can band together and and help each other out hey you know my company's hiring for this position they're gonna they're gonna immediately think uh of their chief network and these smaller groups that they have which are curated i think that's a really cool feature you know led by experienced executive coaches too there's a lot of value to be had here Mm
1: -hmm. being able to be in a small study group setting and pick the brains of some of the top women business leaders um, is worth the price of admission alone.
0: Yeah. So it'll be exciting to see how they work through that wait list and tap into that 5 million women who already have positions there. And, and hopefully, Chief will be able to drive that 5 million number up. Because I didn't, I didn't look up what it is for men. I imagine it is quite... You know, quite a bit larger. So to be able to provide more women with this opportunity, I, I think is a worthwhile goal. And the growth opportunity is certainly there.
1: Right. And I hope that the, they're able to reduce the waiting list and you know find a way to expand and, and admit all these tens of thousands of women that are currently willing to pay that admission fee just to get access to this.
0: Yeah, and we're actually switching it up a little bit here for our last story of the day, which is actually an acquisition. We haven't covered one of those just yet. For those that don't know, just a quick explanation. Most of the companies we cover are minority investments, which means the venture capital firms invest a certain amount of money for a small or medium percentage of the company. Mm-hmm. Usually it's not somebody buying the whole business. But in this case, this caught our eye because it was one uh, company called Tier Mobility, which fully acquired uh, a company a lot smaller called Fantasmo. And very interesting here because TIER's strategy has actually included uh, four acquisitions in the last five months, which you don't normally see, but it makes a lot of sense when it when it comes to this market. So this company provides micromobility, you know, think scooters that you see on the street here in Austin and in a lot of cities around the world, and this company is looking to acquire different technology firms like Phantasmo, which can better their offering uh, in a lot of different ways. If you want to tell us a little bit more about what the technology Phantasmo has built.
1: Sure, been. and agreed, four, four acquisitions in, the, in five months is in, incredibly aggressive, which, you know, we'll, we'll definitely, we have our eyebrows raised already, <laughs> and we'll keep our eyes on them in the following months, but Phantasmo is your classic scooter camera positioning technology, so essentially that allows scooter companies to accurately track where their scooters are being parked, with a lot more accuracy than the traditional GPS technology. And Phantasmo has already been going through some test runs in major European cities like London and Paris. The tech works by using the rider's cell phone to analyze the area and the objects around where the scooter is parked, and to use their own 3D maps to kind of cross-reference and confirm the exact location of where the scooter is.
0: Yeah and the reason this is even a thing is because um, one of the main issues with scooters is that they're cluttering our cities. We've seen it in Austin, like we remember when Bird came out in like what 2017, 2018?
1: Somewhere around there and they were just a total traffic hazard.
0: Total hazard, they would be thrown in rivers like Dumpsters everywhere, like cluttering the sidewalks. It was a mess. It still is. It's getting better, but this is why Tier is investing in a technology like Phantasmo, is because they want to have that competitive edge in being able to be the most accurate scooter company. There's a lot to be said for that. Uh, They currently have about 20 to 25 of those cities mapped out, and they're going to grow that a lot more.
1: Right. And on top of the traffic hazard and somewhat of an eyesore that these scooters brought about. There was also many concerns about safety. Like we we definitely had some friends that oh, wiped, yeah. wiped out on these and it was, you know, hospital inc- inducing injuries for some people. So another benefit of Phantasmo is that they're planning on increasing rider safety and using this platform to bolster certain safety precautions that everyone will adhere to, as opposed to riding around recklessly, which we unfortunately still see a lot of around here in Austin.
0: Yeah. So the way they're actually going to do that is it's an actual physical camera that they'll attach to the scooter, which has a smart technology that you and I can't understand or explain, (laughs) Um, but it analyzes the surrounding area and street lines and things like that to make sure that the scooters are being ridden properly and they're actually planning to implement fines as well as banning people from the platform if they're not riding safely and following the proper routes so
1: i'm i'm waiting for the day where we have self-driving scooters honestly <laughs> how long yeah how i
0: don't know but actually <laughs> that that's funny you mentioned that because fantasmo actually began building its technology with self-driving cars in mind. Mm. But micro-mobility providers with this instant need started to target Phantasmo. I saw that Lime was eyeing an acquisition for them as well. It seems that Tier came out on top. The other thing is with this acquisition, we weren't able to find any details on the purchase price or anything like that. The last raise that Fantasmo had was a seed round, so they were relatively small, lean. I think they had about 15 employees, so they're absorbed right into it. Although TIER is allowing them still to distribute their technology to other scooter providers, which I thought was interesting because, you know, initially you'd think they're buying them, they'd want it as a competitive advantage, mm-hmm. but it's one of those rising tide lifts all boats situations. That they do. Uh, because if Fantasmo can contribute to other scooters being seen in more positive light by cities, by governments, and by the general public, by keeping them less cluttered and making them more safe, then that, that impacts Tears' business as well as all the others. So it makes a lot of sense. I thought that was pretty cool.
1: I mean, I feel like I've, I've become accustomed to seeing scooters all over the place. And whether that's they're in the middle of ongoing traffic or they're parked responsibly, it's something that clearly isn't going away. And right. So I think micro mobility, just to riff for a second, specifically scooters are on such a gradual increase year over year. and you know when you're in a city like Austin or New York, Chicago, whether it's an electric bike or an electric scooter it's it's something that we're seeing more and more of, and just oh, yeah. I'm hoping phantasmo can help out all of these scooter companies before they become a hazard to big cities all across the country and the world.
0: I think it has reached a point you're right to where. They aren't going away. They're just gonna have to work with regulators, with city planners, and figure out a way to integrate them into cities. Because bikes, you know, bikes are allowed. Like, people ride bikes around generally pretty safely, and they should follow a very similar format. The only additional added layer of complexity here is that you can leave a scooter anywhere, or Mm -hmm. that's at least how it started. So to be able to really rein that in have really accurate tracking, which is what Phantasmo provides, is going to be a game changer. And cities, governments, are their eyebrows will be raised at this <laughs> one, uh, certainly. Yeah, well, another great episode in the books. It's a hot day here in Austin. It's a hot day in the venture scene. And as always, we're excited to give you a dose of what's going on. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for your next dose of startups and venture capital on Venture Bill. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low key, Okie dokie. That's all right, but.